This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Hi, I'm Mungi. Welcome to the Everyday Ubuntu podcast. I think we need more of people like that, people in position of power, people of color who are in position of power. They should, without fear, be more open to sending that elevator down and lifting each other up. This week, my guest is Emmanuel Kabongo. He's a Canadian actor and producer born in the Democratic Republic of Congo. In this episode, Emmanuel shares his experience of leaving Congo for South Africa and ultimately ending up in Canada. We speak about how he got into acting and the other passion that he had to weigh against acting. He also shares the importance of leading by example, especially in the difficult moments, and it wouldn't be an Everyday Ubuntu podcast episode if we didn't speak about our mothers. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Emmanuel Kabongo, to the Everyday Ubuntu podcast. Thank you for having me. The first question that I like to ask my guests is, is about how our resumes are not a full explanation of who we are as a person. And so I'm wondering what is, is missing from your resume that you think people should know about you? Well, um, one of the things that a lot of people don't know is uh, when I moved from with my family, when we moved from Congo to South Africa, for a long time we were homeless. You know, so we didn't have, we didn't always have a home, so we either stayed with other families, we either stayed at a church for a long time, or sometimes we would split up, we would stay with some neighbors, and um, my other siblings and my mom would, you know, stay with a different part of our neighbors in the building we kind of used to try to settle in. So um, I didn't always grow up with, you know, with good fortune or, you know, a... Uh, um, sunshine and rainbows in South Africa, you know, it was pretty tough. And uh, that's something a lot of people don't know. Yeah. And, you know, when I was sort of reading a bit about you, I, I think you left for South Africa when you were six, around six? I was six, yeah. yeah. And so I'm wondering, sort of, you know, you sort of told us what that experience was like, but what effect do you think that had on you? Well, and, and, and how you are now? It taught me about perseverance. You know, it taught me about never giving up. It taught me about a big part of living in South Africa is where I I learned a lot of my faith, you know, in God. Because um, when we didn't, when we didn't live, when we didn't have a, you know, a situated home, the church that we used to go to took us in. They had like a, a, a house for, uh, people that did not have homes for homeless people. And so staying there for a long time, there were things that we had to do. For example, on Saturdays, our, it was a big tent to this church. And uh, our mother used to make us wipe the chairs before service on Sunday, every Saturday morning. So me and my siblings, there was five of us. Uh, we, 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 we each had sections and uh, we walked around with buckets, like a bucket of uh, water and a, a dish, a dish rag, and uh, <clears throat> would walk around and just like be singing church music and songs, or hear our mom singing from from far away while she's cleaning her section. And every day we would just get up and clean, get up. I mean, every Saturday we get up and clean, every, get up and clean. So that's one thing I I I, I took from that was 
discipline you know and how faith works faith isn't necessarily you know asking for something and waiting for it to happen you know you've got to take action for you know faith to work so a big mm -hmm. part of what i learned in south africa was that and uh, you know i read something where you were speaking about your mother um and i, I love whenever people talk about their mothers because i'm always talking about my mothers my mother and i'm sure my listeners are like tired of yeah. it but you said, you know, everything goes back to her and you sort of talked about discipline as a lesson, yeah. but I'm wondering what other lessons you learned from her. Oh, uh, well, respect, self-respect, you know, I'm always learning from my mom. You know what I mean? It never stops. You know, I'm African, you know, and uh, just uh, recently my mom was like, never lose your African roots. You know what I mean? <laughs> When you said never lose, I knew what you were going to say after yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Never lose your African roots. Like, when I grew up, you know, we had a sense of respect for our elders. You know, we didn't talk like this. We didn't dress like this. You know what I mean? Mm -mm. Just, you know, like, continually learning about honor. Continually learning about um, sacrifice. You know, one thing I, I take my, my, my hat off for my mom, and I will always honor is... When we when we were when we were in South Africa, she was pregnant at the time, but the baby didn't make it, and uh, we would have had it would have been six boys and one girl. <gasps> you know, yeah, 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 it's crazy. <laughs> you know what Jesus. I mean? And uh, but my mom never gave up on us. You know, I've had I've heard some horror stories about mothers being overwhelmed, especially if they're single moms. You know. Because my mom at the time was a single mom in South Africa. We didn't know the language. She couldn't work. She had to hustle. Uh, I've heard horror stories of other mothers giving up on their children and disappearing and leaving them with other family members or strangers and never coming back, you know. So um, the other lessons that I continue to learn from my mom is discipline and dedication. And that that allows me to be dedicated to what I love and what I'm passionate about in my own work. So, yeah. No, I love that. And and speaking of your work, you know, how did you get into acting? Was was it a passion that you had as a child or did it come about as you were older? So growing up, I used to love anime, you know, like drag, <laughs> anime cartoons, you know, Dragon yeah. Ball Z was one of my favorites. Oh, God. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, I remember whenever I would watch anime or cartoons or even even action films, you know, because my mom, growing up, my mom really liked action heroes, you know, Chuck Norris, Sylvester Stallone, mm -hmm. Van Damme. And that's how I kind of knew about these actors because of my mom, because she loved action hero films. And so um, whenever me and my siblings would watch these these movies or these cartoons, we would always go outside and pretend we were some of these characters, you know. I always thought I was Rambo and I'd like kind of tie my my head with like a bandana and stuff. And um, my father at the time, he was in Toronto because it, it took him some time to make enough money to be able to purchase all the proper documentation, the visas for then us, the family, to join him in, in Toronto. And so for making spare money to then send to my mom for the family, he was a background actor. Mm. 
and at the time you know there wasn't FaceTime or you know or you, you know Zoom so my, my parents used to communicate through letters and the occasional long-distance phone call and um, in one of these letters that my father had sent to my mom he would also in these letters he would also include photos of himself so in one of these letters he included a, a couple of photos of himself on a film set at the time I didn't know what a film set was but later on I realized it was a film set because of you know all the the background trucks and wires it looked like he was by a trailer and I would ask my mom what's he doing I was eight at this point and she told me oh he's uh he's uh he's making films I'm like he's making films what do you mean he's making films you know he's acting but I thought that my father was this actor but what did was uh he was a background actor, you know, an extra. So when I turned, when we came to Toronto and uh, I went to the movies for the first time, I was 12 years old. And I remember the movie. It was called Snow Day. I think I know that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the first time I went to the theater. I was 12 years old. And I sat at the front row. I was so amazed. I was like, oh, what is this? <laughs> you know? And, um,. At the age of 14, 15, I told my dad that I wanted to get into acting, but he didn't know very much about acting, you know, he just knew about background acting, he didn't know very much about how to get into um, landing speaking roles. Mm -hmm. And so my other passion at the time was soccer. I wanted to be a soccer player, so there was this, like, that was my first passion. But nobody played soccer in my neighborhood. Everybody played this game called basketball and hockey. Like, what is this game? What is this playing with your hands? You know, I like to play with my feet, bare feet. But me and my siblings ended up gravitating towards basketball. And for the longest time, um, I that was my, my goal, to be a basketball player. So when my father had put me in this background agency, one of my first background gigs was Mean Girls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was Mean Girls with Lindsay Lohan, but I had not, I, I didn't get, I don't even remember if I'd seen her on set. I don't, I don't know, you know what I mean? I just, you know, I was 15. And uh, I remember there, it was here in Toronto where it filmed and they were doing this, this uh, scene where a big crowd, this is when crowds were allowed to hang out. Those times. A big crowd was running in a theater and I was part of this big crowd and every time I passed the camera, I would kind of look straight in the lens and wave and be like, what's wrong with this idiot? Send him to the back. <laughs> and then and then after that I did other other background gigs and I was in um I was a background actor in me in uh, honey with with, with Jessica uh, Alba. Jessica Alba, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I don't I I don't even I just remember I was part of this uh, detention center because I think Little Romeo's character was, you know, at a detention center. Yeah. I don't remember, you know. And I remember where I would see these actors do their thing, and I was always questioned, how do I, how do I do that, you know? Like, how do I do that? Because I didn't know anything. I didn't know you had to read so much. I didn't know you had to take classes. Mm. I didn't know you had to dedicate your time to search for work and get an agent and get a manager. Because the, the agent at the time that I had only focused on background actors, not principal work. So um, fast forward, f 
from 16 to the age of 21, I just focused on sports. And that was my thing. I was like, you know what? Sports it is. All my friends played sports. Uh, me and my siblings were known in the basketball community in Canada. And uh, some of my siblings ended up being known worldwide. Like two or three of my siblings went to universities in the U.S. My sister went to University of uh, Delaware on a scholarship. My brother went to University of Texas on a scholarship. And the youngest one went to University of Virginia Tech on a scholarship. And I'm like, what happened to me? You know, I'm the oldest. I'm not as tall. I'm not as tall as my siblings. What the hell is going on? We got a six foot three guy. We got another guy who's six foot five. Like, what the hell happened to me? You know what I mean? So at the age of 21, some friends would tell me, your back is a little weird. You know, it's not straight. I'm like, what do you mean it's not straight? Like, your back's crooked. I'm like, but I don't feel crooked. I feel very straight and upright and my posture is fine. And so I had to go to a doctor and check it out. And I found out at the age of 21 that I had scoliosis. Oh, wow. And the curvature in my spine took away three inches. So I'm supposed to be like six foot three, you know? That's where, went, that's where yeah. it went. That's where it yeah, went. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and so, but it was a gift in disguise because although I stayed in Toronto and I went to a community college in Toronto, my last, my third year of college, I took a one-year theater program while still playing on the basketball team because I was always curious about it. it was still, even after the background stuff I did at 15, the acting was always in the back it of my It just mind. never left. Yeah, it never left because, you know, growing up, my mom loved that stuff and it always made her happy during sad moments. And so in the back of my mind, I always wanted to make my mom happy, my mom proud, you know. Mm -hmm. And so when I took this program... I started to learn the basics. Oh, okay, well, you got to take workshops. You got to do body workshops. You got to work on your voice. You got to understand a little bit of Shakespeare. And, uh, and so the, 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 the passion for that slowly started to grow, you know, in gradual forms. And um, while playing on the basketball team, my passion for the sport started to deter because my team was losing and I wasn't in good terms with my coach anymore. You know, I lost my starting position. And then at the end of that year, a, a student in my acting um, class told me, hey, man, you should, you, should, you should think about taking these acting workshops for film and TV instead of theater. Because I thought to myself, you know what, I, I think I want to focus on film and TV. And um, I started taking these workshops. And that's when I really learned, you know, my coach at the time was like, hey, man, if you really want to be an actor, you got to read. I'm like, no, I don't like reading. I hate reading. Why? Because I'm not a good reader. Okay, well, you have to practice, you know. And so once I started attending these workshops full time, like two times a week, for like five hours a session, I ended up landing my first short film. That short film got uploaded on YouTube, and at the same time that that was happening, I got offered a basketball scholarship to go to university in, uh, in Canada. Really? So I had to pick, do I go back to school? Yeah. Because um, I was at a community college and I was gonna be transferring to a, to a university. So do I go back to university for two years on a scholarship, but I don't know what I want to study. I know I'm passionate about sports. I'm passionate about this acting thing. 
or do I turn down the scholarship and kind of like have tunnel vision, you know what I mean, and have these blinders on and focus on the acting. My passion for basketball at the time, you know, you know, like was gone. And I said, you know what, I'm, I'm an artist. I think acting is for me. Turned it down, got into acting full time, and I've never looked back. And that's how I got into it. Sorry if it was too long. Oh, no, not at all. Well, I mean, you clearly have a passion for it, but acting can also be a super tough industry. Oh, yeah. So in, in those sort of tough moments when it's, you know, like rejection or, I don't know, reviews, any of the things that can sort of get you down, you know, what kind of keeps you going? Knowing who I am and knowing where I'm from. I'm from Congo, man. <laughs> you know? There's a sense of, like just the other day I found out, not too long ago, not not the other day, but not too long ago, I found out that uh, I have royalty blood. You know, the last name Kabongo. And during, and so during my moments where I, 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 I go out and audition for something and uh, it doesn't go my way, you know, for example, uh, I had auditioned for uh, if Beale Street if Beale Street could talk, you know, and uh, the gentleman who got the role is a friend of mine, mm -hmm. and so when that didn't go my way, instead of comparing myself and instead of because uh, comparison is a thief of joy, you know, so instead of comparing myself and putting myself down, I would always remind myself, you know what, I started with I didn't start with anything. Yep. I didn't start in this business like I wasn't born in this business. I started with nothing. You know. So as long as I keep using this as motivation, as long as I keep using this as fire to keep me going, I will never stop. And my siblings, my siblings and my family keeps me going. You know, to see the passion in them, you know, because we've all had peaks and valleys hurdles and obstacles to overcome and seeing how a lot of them have overcome those hurdles and obstacles lets me know that you know I can't let them down and I can't give up because I have to lead by example you know my mom always tells me you know it, it trickles from the top down so if my siblings see me do some things um, subconsciously or consciously they're gonna do it too and I've seen it I've seen some of the mistakes that I've made growing up as a teenager or in my early 20s, even mid-20s, that I see my younger siblings do. And I'm just like, oh my God, I remember when I used to do that. Mm -hmm. or I remember when I used to react instead of respond to certain things and take things personal. And so when things don't go my way, I just remind, remind myself that, hey, don't take it personal. You know, if it's not for you, it's not for you. What's for you will not pass you and what passes you is not for you. You know, so not to focus on another man's motives right. and just to focus, you know, stay focused on myself and appreciate and show love and support people that are doing well. Do you ever wonder what goes on behind the scenes of your favorite homegrown films and TV shows? Well, it's time to pop some popcorn, go behind the camera and meet the people who are making it happen. I'm Mariska Fernandez, host of the Maple Popcorn Podcast. 
In this new series, you will discover exclusive interviews with Canadian icons and hear them talk about Canadian flicks and even break the fifth wall to share set anecdotes. This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female and powered by Telefilm Canada. Subscribe now on the podcast app of your choice and don't miss an episode. Stay in the know by visiting telefilm.ca slash see it all. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned sort of leading by example. And I know that last year you were vocal, you know, supporting the campaign against police brutality, both in the U.S. and in Canada. Yeah. Um, and though, you know, young black men are not the ones causing all this harm, I wonder if you have advice for them because like, you know, these are troubling times and these yeah. are difficult moments. And yeah. I have a younger brother and I can't imagine the fear, trauma, like doubt that is in his mind yeah. when he sees all of these things on the news. And so I wonder if you have anything to share. Well, knowledge is power, right? And we, we live in a day and age where most of us have access to the internet. Like, look at you, you're in Portugal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm all the way in North America, you know, and we're talking live, crazy, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't remember growing up with this kind of technology. You know, I was outside playing on monkey bars, you know, like running around with a with a monkey wrench in my pocket trying to, you know, take take apart bicycles so I could build my own bicycle. That's how I grew up, you know. But with the Internet now, we have access to knowledge. So I think uh, young people of color have this superpower, you know, at, at in their hands. You know, and it's all about taking that time and recognizing what we have and not taking it for granted. So a piece of advice is, you know, there it, with anything you're dealing with, with the trauma that we're dealing with, because we all deal with our own personal traumas and some of these personal traumas that we have isn't necessarily from us. You know, there's this thing called generational curse, right? But it's now been proven scientifically that it's not just because it's generational curses, it's because it's it's passed down through DNA. You know, it's passed down spiritually. And the best way to kind of redirect this path is to recognize it, you know? And the way we recognize it is to be honest with ourselves, mm -hmm. to have humility with ourselves and to not be afraid to ask for help. You know, so one of the things I would I would uh, suggest to a young black men or uh, and women of color is to educate yourself, ask for help. Know that asking for help does not does not mean that you're weak. Know that having a sense of humility does not mean that you are less than. If anything, it gives you more power. If anything, it gives you more freedom, because we're not born with all of this knowledge. We got to go out there. And, and seek it, you know, which brings me to one of my favorite quotes, which uh, was written by Paulo Coelho. He's a Brazilian writer. And uh, in one of my favorite books, The Alchemist, one of my favorite quotes is when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you achieve it. So if we if 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 we if we're seeking to gain a sense of power, if we're seeking to gain a sense of control, if we're seeking to get a sense of acceptance, it's out there. We just have to look. I can only give examples with my own life. There are moments in my in, in my life when, you know, I had other friends who were 
either going through the wrong path and others who were. And, you know, I was caught in the middle. Do I go here or do I go there? You know, thank God I had a very strict mom, you know, who kind of, you know what I mean? When we're growing Don't up. Don't even think about which, it. Yeah, which kind of adds to it. But I, I don't know if it's, it, it's an internal gift or an internal awareness, but I, I just knew that I didn't want to get caught up with the wrong crowd. I just, I just, I just knew, and maybe it's because I'm an older brother. Maybe it's because I've seen struggle and racism a certain way, you know, because when I, the first time I experienced racism in South, in South Africa was not with, was with other black South Africans, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't because I was, it, I was white or they were white or anything like that. It was because I spoke a different language or my cheekbones were different, you know? And so in today's world with all that's happening, it, it's important for us to educate ourselves, for us to edu- to be role models and educate others. It's important to know the law because a lot of people don't know the laws. You know, it's important to know that your voice is powerful. It's important to know that sometimes silence is the best answer. It's important to know that your actions sometimes speak louder than your words, you know, and to lead by love. And a lot of this love that I'm learning and I'm continuing to learn is through the love of Jesus Christ and how to apply that in my life daily. Yeah, I think... um... I think some Americans struggle to understand about Jesus Christ, you know. Yeah. He was not a white man. Let's yeah, start with yeah, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, speaking of this racism, there's also all the talk of sort of representation in your industry. And I wonder if you have any thoughts on that or, I don't know, like solutions, you know, on, on where the industry should be going. I think, I think, you know, if you compare the industry to 10, 15 years ago, which is when I started, I've been acting for 10 years now, it's, it's grown a lot, you know, but there's still a lot more work to be done, for sure, you know, yes, we've now, people of color have now been invited to sit at the table, you know, just because you sit at the table does not mean that you have you 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 have a sense of power yet you know some people have been allowed to table or for example you know uh, been uh, allowed in certain meetings but there's still this sense of fear not just from people who are not of color but also from people of color you know you've you've heard the term when you reach the top uh, send the elevator back down. You know, I think we need more of that. I think we need more of people like that. People, if there are people in position of power, people of color who are in position of power, they should, without fear, be more open to sending that elevator down and lifting each other up mm-hmm. and not worried about, uh, oh, I'm going to lose my job to this person. Because I think a lot of, there's a lot of fear when it comes to to uh, this industry, you know, the fear to say the wrong thing, the fear to support the wrong project. And I get it, you know, you have to be, you know, you have to have discernment. You, you know, you, you, you got to be aware of what you tie yourself to. You know, some people want to keep a certain brand. 
and some people you know want to resonate with a certain type of crowd and i get that but in terms of like having more more stories of people of color out there more and more more um leads of people of color out there i think it 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 doesn't just start in yes it starts in the boardrooms it starts in these meetings but it, there are people who are already up there and you know when you're focusing on this pyramid who live by fear because of thinking that their position is going to be lost it's precarious yeah yeah well yeah it's like when you see commercials and you're like oh there was no black person that signed yeah. off on this yeah and then you come to find out that there was they just yeah. obviously didn't say anything yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So totally understand, understand what you're saying. So understanding that our our words are powerful and and understanding that you can you can speak up, you can help rise people up without being uh, arrogant about it. You know, having a sense of of uh, humor. You know, having a sense of humor and understanding that. Sometimes, you know, we take life too seriously and, well, you know, a lot of serious things are happening right now, you know, but having a sense of humor and, and, and gratitude, gratitude that, you know, at least we get to see today. But uh, to make this change in this industry, it takes a, it takes a village, it takes an army, you know, and, and you got to, for me, all I can do is continue to lead by example because i'm 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 not just an actor but i'm also getting into writing and producing my own stuff mm. you know and so one of the things one of the things i do is i'm never shy or afraid or i don't ever feel like i'm better than other people or that other people are better than me i think we're all equal some of us have different opportunities but in terms of humanity we're all equal and so whenever I'm asked to give advice or whenever somebody reaches out through social media or doesn't understand something, I always try to take the time to, you know, reach out, reach back and, you know, give uh, my sense of advice or give them, uh, share my experience with them and let them know, you know, uh, just because it's not happening now doesn't mean it will never happen. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And before I ask you my two closeout questions, I'm wondering if, you know, there are other causes close to your heart that you would like to share that you think people should know more about. Um, I was born on Christmas Day and I... Oh, hence the name. Uh, hence the name. So I, I consider myself the gift that keeps on giving. And so I started this thing about five, six years ago where every Christmas Eve, I would get some donations um, for so that I could give you know, care packages to give out to the homeless mm -hmm. here in Toronto. And so I've had um, people donate soaps, socks, mitts, uh, gloves, and, uh, and there sometimes I'll put like a $5 bill in there and uh, some chocolate and I would make 25 care packages and invite other actors or people that want to be involved and we would basically go out in the street Christmas Eve and just give and funny enough I started seeing more people do it every Christmas Eve 
whether it's cold, snowing, it doesn't matter, you know, out there with a big bag of soup or a bunch of plastic bags with care Yep. packages and just go giving. So that's something I do. That's something I do in terms of giving back. And I'm going to continue doing it because it's uh, for me, Christmas isn't necessarily about just me receiving gifts, although I've been robbed. You know, I get one gift. I get I get Yeah, one the birthday gift, man. and Come yeah, on, man, that's a robbery, I was going to man. say, people are like, all right, here, I'll just give you one big thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, for me, uh, the gift is giving back. Like knowing that I could put a smile on somebody's face or, you know, make them feel like they matter because we all matter. Absolutely. And what would you say is your greatest fear for humanity? That we... We will not understand true love, not, not romance, but like real, unconditional, unshakable, unforgiving, I mean, forgiving, uh, unapologetic love, you know, um, nowadays, uh, the idea of love is painted through materialism you know through um egotistical uh gains but deep true love i think comes from a sense of uh no judgment caring and i mean yeah, we could we could keep going but that's what i fear that you know this generation you know if we're not carefully aware might miss the mark And what is your greatest hope for humanity? that love uh, yeah you know there's this equal split balance of some people that do get it and some people that don't that are still lost and it's sad but you can't judge you know you got to learn to love regardless and give And if it finally clicks with others, then it clicks. If not, you know, you can't always carry that burden, you know, but have the hope that eventually, you know, the ones that come after will get it. So that's my other hope that, you know, we can live in peace and harmony and learn not just from ourselves, but learn from this earth, from nature, from animals, from plants. I'm finding more and more how I remember growing up and like gardening. I was like, ah, gardening is boring. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's the garden. You know I still I feel that way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but when I when I started to take my acting seriously, uh, my mentor, who's also my coach, would always talk about gardening and and how connecting your yourself with 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 soil and earth can give you a deep sense of. of um understanding and and spiritual knowledge and so i'm like oh, okay what a okay weirdo <laughs> you know but then i started doing it and i kid you not it's like there's there's a there's a difference like i, I recently just planted uh veggies and and herbs and um uh, i have three um uh, rose plants that I planted from like the ground up, you know? And these rose plants, I had planted them, I think last year. Yeah, last year. And winter came, winter happened, you know, they withered away. 
and uh, the spring hit and now you know I'm maintaining these plants I planted new things and I'm watering I started watering these uh, plants these rose plants again and I would look at them like oh man are they ever are they, are they ever going to spring you know are they going to spread up you know and uh, slowly but surely every day I see an inch and an inch and an inch grow so this morning the why I want to talk about roses or planting this morning before I get on the call with you I look in the backyard and I'm like oh the roses are coming <laughs> you know they're they're just but like last week there was nothing there you know but now this week I'm like oh it's here finally you could see it it's red it's pink and so the lesson in that for me is you never know that like, as long as you plant those seeds you know god works in the darkness you know as long as we plant those seeds internally and water them how through love through forgiveness through understanding through humility slowly our internal roses our internal flowers our internal vegetation will spring up you know and we will start to um find the benefits in these things that we've planted you know it's like something becomes a lifestyle after you know three four weeks but you have to stay consistent you know like for me uh, i'll share a personal thing i wanted to see what it would be like to be sober and not have any alcohol at all did you start this even, during COVID? I started this 2020 January. Yeah. Oh, you didn't even know though. Yeah. Oh. I did not know. I started this 2020. I went on a trip to Cuba and I had a fun time. I partied. It was a good time. But there was also a moment where I had to reflect on my life and think, I need to make some changes. I need to make some real changes. And one of those things was I wanted to challenge myself, like really challenge myself, not just say, oh, I'm going to do this, not just talk about it, but actually do it. So after my trip, January 13th, 2020, I said, I am not going to drink for a year. Zero. Zero. And so living through through um, COVID, just a sober mind, a sober body, it was the hardest thing. For, it was hard because I realized that it was like a crutch. It was yeah. what I used to be social. But I ended up realizing that I didn't need that. I didn't need that to feel fun. I didn't need that to have a good time. Mm -hmm. And so the longer I, I uh, was aware that I didn't need it, the longer I kept it, the longer I stayed sober, the more clear I became not just with my body but also with my mind and the way i think my work started to get better as an actor love that i kid you not it's like whoa what is this <laughs> i'm like i'm like one of my biggest fears as an actor was memorizing lines especially long monologues biggest fear while getting on this journey of being sober four months in clears a whistle 
all of a sudden my memory starts to just pick up on words much quicker. I'm able to memorize something within five minutes. I'm just like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> a friend of mine was like, hey man, what's your superpower of memorizing? I'm like, oh, only if you knew the fear I had. <laughs> I remember the first time I had a 14 page audition, how there was just this block in my in my heart, like, oh my God, how am I gonna remember all these lines? But now it's like, oh yes, bring it on. It's like a challenge, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, like bring it on. If you stay committed, the gifts that come with that commitment, it will, will blow your mind, you know? will blow, completely blow your mind beyond your own understanding and I'm a, and I'm a living example of, of of this that you know you stay committed you stay focused you stay determined and it's going to eventually pay off in any field you know as long as your intentions are pure as long as it comes from a sense of love so yeah well Thank you very much for sharing that. You're very welcome. And very also, welcome. thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It was a treat to speak with you. It was a treat speaking with you too. Thank you as well. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today. And don't forget to hit subscribe and give the show a rating and review wherever you enjoy your podcast. Follow me at mungi.ingomane on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you and get your feedback on the show. I'll be back in a week with a new episode. Thank you for listening to Everyday Ubuntu.